Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I am Paul Kuharski of paulkuharski.com. This is in affiliation with 440 Sports. I've mentioned my name three times, which uh, lines me up with county, state, and federal regulations. Brought to you by Jaspers, eager to talk with you about the Titans. And away we go. Want to talk um, about the benefit of the doubt that we're trying to give Will Levis um, in the early stages of, of his time with the Titans first six weeks, really um, Ryan Tannehill flying literally uh, Colton Dow with a technical tip that I thought was very interesting and Christian Fulton's fitness, which is going to be a big story for this team. So let's get started on Will Levis. And I say here in my uh, on YouTube, you can see the titles, uh, young quarterbacks, but really I want to focus on Levis here. I think it's been really beneficial for Levis that the way we've looked at things through a rookie practice, three OTA practices that the media has been able to see, and the, the three mini camp practices – that we've largely looked at him in comparison to Malik Willis as opposed to in comparison to Ryan Tannehill. Now, on a basic level, it makes sense. You want to see where he stands compared to last year's third-round pick. He's this year's second-round pick, as opposed to where he stands compared to in this first six weeks of his career, uh, as, as opposed to where he stands against – uh, a guy going into his 11th year who's got, what, uh, 143 starts, 33,000 passing yards, 212 touchdowns, who's been part of, of 78 NFL wins. In the short term, you want Levis to bump Willis. But in the long term, and long term's only 2024, 20, a year away, you want him to replace Ryan Tannehill. And so um, – you want snaps, even at this early stage, just snaps splashed into these practices where you say, yeah, that's going to be the guy. And we did not see a lot of those snaps. So it's discouraging on that front. He should look better on a regular basis than Malik Willis. Malik Willis was drafted very much as a project. John Robinson thought he was too good to pass up when he was still available 86th in the third round a year ago. We know um, Malik Willis, very raw, couldn't get it done last year when Tannehill got hurt to the degree that when the Titans really needed to find at least one win down the stretch, they brought in Josh Dobbs from Detroit's practice squad and started him. Uh, after they saw enough from Willis, who was afraid to pull the trigger too often, a hesitating quarterback. Um, now, he's allowed to grow, and he has grown. But Levis should come in and be better than that right out of the gate, given his resume as a SEC starting quarterback, not a guy from smaller Liberty who was you know, making one read and, and running and who was the offense largely by himself, where Levis, uh, maybe not last year, but the year before, had some legitimate offensive linemen, had Wandale Robinson as a legitimate um, wide receiver, and was playing against 
big time competition virtually uh, every week, not, not just in his good year, but th throughout his career, even dating back to the, the limited uh, looks that he got at Penn state. So we're in the weird situation following the Titans where we need to be super patient with, with two young quarterbacks, one going into his second year, one going into his first year. But let's talk more about Levis. There were not many wow moments from him in these six practices that we're talking about. And he doesn't have to have those to be on the sort of incline that you want him to be on. But his general body of work was not impressive. And after I kind of, uh, you know, packaged the whole thing, and I wrote about this at paulkuharski.com, uh, I'm thinking there should be more moments where you thought of him in the context of a young Tannehill instead of in the context of Malik Willis. His release is terrific. It is a first-class, world-class, quick release. The way the ball comes out of his hand is absolutely terrific. Now, you know, everybody rated him as having – above average velocity uh, coming out of Kentucky. I don't feel like I saw a, a great fastball that often. He moved well, and he came in with the reputation of moving well, but it's not a realistic gauge of how well he moves um, in, in these practices where nobody's really going at him, right? Rushers who get to him are running past him, not touching him coached to not touch him. That's not his fault that there's not realistic rush coming at him. It's the nature of these practices, but we don't have a real gauge of that. I thought he read things generally okay. That was a wrap on him. Um, I think he was generally going the right places with the football. So, you know, that's encouraging. His anticipation, though, in terms of ball placement was not always great. And there's hesitancy that showed at Kentucky and was part of the concern about him as a prospect, um, you know, showed up at least some of the time. Uh, I wrote about this, that <clears throat> at least the, the last two practices we saw, very early in practice after the cameras went off, maybe right after the individual period. So when the quarterbacks were working you know, as a group, the receivers were working as a group, ran the go routes, which were just receivers running, you know, maybe five yards into the field and the quarterbacks, and maybe they were running at 90% variable talked about at, at one point, but the quarterbacks were just, you know, taking turns. So there'd be two quarterbacks and then the one quarterback would move to the other side. The other quarterback would go in on the other side. So the three of them were, were rotating and they were merely trying to, to loft balls up the sideline and get the timing down with the receivers. And they did not do a very good job either day. Tannehill, obviously the best. But Levis was obviously the worst, certainly on the last day. It, it's not a federal issue in these things. I asked Tannehill about it on the last day. He said it's kind of unnatural that the first time in the practice that we're throwing to receivers on the move – it's these deep balls talked about miscommunicating with Chris Moore about the expectation on one that there's a little of adjustment based on the coverage as to what angle the receivers are going on. Well, I saw that, you know, they ran 
a couple sets up the sideline down and, and then back. And then maybe the next one was an angled route across the middle that was also deep. But <clears throat> I was disappointed to see that these weren't closer to automatic for all three quarterbacks. And they certainly weren't so for, uh, for Levis on something that seems like it should be hit at a much higher percentage than they were hitting on for all the quarterbacks. Um, but certainly for Levis, uh, another thing, you know, uh, I talked about the movement. You can't, you can't gauge that. Well, should have beefed that up a little bit. You couldn't see how strong in the pocket he is, right? Because that's not going to show up, um, in, in May and June. I don't think Malik Willis is the plan here, right? And he has gotten better and he was better than Levis on some days, including the, the last day. On, on Wednesday, there is room for Levis to grow um, and for him to change minds, probably in the building, certainly outside the building. I, I did a podcast that was very uh, well listened to and well watched about uh, this is way back before they reported about how he um, you know, had a chance to change a lot of minds coming in with a new coordinator and a new uh, quarterback coach and a new offense, how they had a chance to, to build some things that were more natural for him and all of that. And, you know, the way they're talking about it sounds like he, he's doing well. What we saw certainly looked better. Um, you look back at what Dane Brugler, and I've referred to Brugler a couple times, wrote about him in The Beast, his big draft guide in 2022 in the weakness section. He said, Field vision and decision-making are still in the development phase. Becomes gun-shy as a passer at times and will miss opportunities when he second-guesses what he sees. That's exactly what we saw when he played last year with Tannehill hurt and before Dobbs was brought in and moved in front of him. There's progress there for sure out of what we could see in these practices. Um, his processing certainly looks better, but at full speed in a game, you know, that clearly changes things and we don't know. And he's better, better than really bad, but we, we don't know. He was drafted as a project, right? Levis was drafted as less than a project. Uh, Levis's um, incline needs to be steeper and it needs to be faster and you would hope in the six weeks away that he can continue to uh, gain ground. Um, I talked to him a little bit about touch on his passes. This is a piece I'll write between now and camp. Um, he said a lot of that's about understanding the routes and what's required uh, on, on certain certain passes. I think he's got a lot of room to, to improve there amongst other areas. The, the question about could they keep three quarterbacks is something else I'll address uh, early next week. <coughs> Excuse me. So Mike Brabel's big on not caring about a guy's pedigree. Once you're in the building, you have as good a chance as, as anybody else based on how you perform, what the team needs, what your skill set is, and all of that. That tends not to be the case around the league at quarterback based on pedigree. And – Malik Willis is not a Rand Carthon guy. Will Levis is a Rand Carthon guy. That's got some weight. And it certainly has some weight when they drafted up to get you early in the second round versus 
uh, when they traded up to get you early in the second round versus when they traded up to get you in the third round. And so I just wanted to take a look on four different value charts, what on draft day, what the draft day metric tells you about what Will Levis should be compared to Malik Willis and why we should be talking more while it's really early about how Levis projects versus Tannehill, not versus Willis. Uh, the Fitzgerald Spielberg NFL draft, draft trade value chart. Willis at 86, Levis at 33. Willis is worth 743 points and Levis is worth 1,228 points. That's 61% the value. Willis is 61% the value of Levis, which is really high on this. Chase Stewart's chart, uh, Willis is 50% of the value. Now you get to, to, to the bigger charts, the Jimmy Johnson chart, which everybody says is outdated, and it's the reason for existence of these other charts, yet it's often put in play. And it is still kind of the backbone um, for a lot. You hear that it's the backbone. And nobody will say what chart they use and all of that. But you do hear rumblings that Jimmy Johnson's chart is still kind of uh, what things are built off of. On Jimmy Johnson's chart, uh, Willis is 28% of the value of Levis. And on Rich Hall's chart, Willis is 27% the value of Levis. Um, you know, you can average that all out if you want. But the fact of the matter is, and, and we all know it, this is just reinforcing it, Will Levis should be a much more valuable commodity to the Titans than Malik Willis. Now, doesn't matter. None of that matters if it plays out differently. I'm expecting that Will Levis is, is the guy that they favor. He's the guy they should favor. He's newer, comes from a better, more competitive conference. He's got more of the outright skills, I think, that, that Mike Vrabel and his coaches value. But uh, as I've said before on this podcast, there was no uh, – he certainly didn't come in a, a, like a bomb and like you go, whoa, look at that guy. He's going to put pressure on Tannehill right away. And now you go from that to, uh, wow, that was pretty uneventful summer for Will Levis, and he's going to need to um, accelerate the growth. Now, you know, ideally Tannehill – plays, plays well, stays healthy. Levis gets this whole year behind him to grow. And, and, uh, and we're discussing next year at this time, how he looks and there's been significant growth and everything will be fine. But weren't enough moments that made you look at him and say, Whoa, this guy is a quarterback of the future in this early stage. And for a high second round pick, I would have expected more of that. And so that's not foreboding. It's too early for all of that. But it's what we have to discuss now. And you want to know about what unfolded now that just concluded. And that's the story about what unfolded now and what just concluded. And it's going to be a weird scenario 
in training camp watching two guys who, you know, probably are going to be showing incremental growth and, um, you know, are in wait and see mode and who the Titans hope they can be super patient with. Speaking of Tannehill, he's flying literally. Uh, somebody saw on Instagram or, or Twitter that he had a pilot's license that he was showing off and uh, asked them about it. And then, then we had several follow-ups. So here's uh, three different answers put together about Ryan Tannehill, now a pilot. Yeah, I was able to get my pilot's license. Um, that's something that uh, I worked, spent a lot of time and, and a lot of effort to, to do. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a little escape for me. Something I have to be totally focused on and in the moment, be present in the moment. Um, but at the same time, it's an, it's an escape for me. So, um, yeah, was a, a, lot of, a lot of hard work went into it, but uh, thankful I was able to get that and uh, excited to, to be a pilot. You fly them? Uh, I will not be flying myself home. But, um, I'll be flying Southwest. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, I can get a free flight or something. What's your that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys that are curious. You know, we'll see if they actually. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll see when it comes time to uh, take them up if they're Maybe actually trailing, if they're actually going to go. Do what? Maybe Traylon, since he's had his own experience. Yeah, I asked Traylon, and I said, hey, uh, you know, you've been on a small plane, you're ready to go again. He's like, ah, I think it was a one-time thing for me. So, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to be Traylon or not. Is this crazy? I mean, I, I like that a guy's got a hobby that is uh, makes him hyper-focused. That's a, something that that is good for a quarterback who's got to be hyper-focused to have something else, I guess, that, that makes him hyper-focused. But um, a lot of people fly. Clearly, it's contractually okay. Uh, I'm not a big believer in guys bubble wrapping themselves. Uh, but we've seen skiing and water skiing and basketball accidents. Um, and God forbid a brand new pilot have an accident be far worse than a, a badly sprained ankle or a torn ACL or something like that. I'm curious what fans think about uh, Ryan Tannehill's new thing. And it sounds like he's not, you know, all the way in, he's not flying himself home. I don't imagine he has a plane. He would at least want to do something like that. But he's also talking about, you know, taking his wife and kids for the first time and the nerves that go with that and getting over all of that. All of that I think is interesting from a mental standpoint and dealing uh, with all of that. But um, I do think, you know, to a degree, it's it's all right to wonder if you don't wait until after your football career for that. Again, I, I lean on the side of, you know, do what you want if you don't feel like you're putting yourself in danger. And um, But I was surprised to hear that he had, uh, had done this, and I think it's a pretty, pretty unique thing for uh, an active NFL player to be doing, so. Look forward to hearing more about it. Uh, this podcast is brought to you by Jasper's, the fine uh, eatery and bar on West End Avenue, just a little bit off 40. And I was finally able to go back for, uh, yeah, off 40, 440. <coughs> now I'm losing my mind. Just uh, on the fringe of downtown there, off 40. 
I, I was fortunate enough to make it back this week. I had a little bit of a business meeting at lunch and I changed it up off the menu and I had the Cuban sandwich and boy, did this thing deliver it. First off, I clear my plate almost all the time. I was unable to clear my plate because the sandwich was so big. The bartender slash waiter pushed the broccoli as a side dish, though he said the fries were hard to resist. I went with the fries, of course. Should have gone with the broccoli to be better. Um, it's all delicious. Plenty of attention, just the right amount of attention from uh, from the guy behind the bar. Didn't interrupt us a lot as we uh, we talked some business, but checked in on us just the right amount of time. I cased the, the place more thoroughly afterwards, and I've been talking about the free game room um, and bragging about the shuffleboard and the papa shot, but I have been um, shortchanging air hockey and skee ball, which are also in there and also a good time. Unfortunately, at that point, I was solo, so I had nobody to challenge at these games, but I've got to get back there with my 13-year-old, and we can spend uh, an hour or more in there uh, with me beating him at those games and him anticipating the day that he can beat me. Jasper's, uh, great drinks, great food, a great menu. You need to get over there and check it out. Free parking. You just walk in the door. Um, you uh, take the QR code on your phone, put in your license plate. Boom, you get three hours free in their parking lot. You're not going to find that anywhere close to downtown Nashville. Couldn't recommend it more highly. Check it out. Stars on Mars, how far the mighty have fallen. I was flipping around on TV like old days somehow, or <clears throat> maybe it was on after a game or something, but uh, Stars on Mars, kind of a self-explanatory concept. They're pretending to put these quote-unquote celebrities on Mars, a semi-survivalist kind of show, and Lance Armstrong is on this show. So they did all right with the athletes, actually. Marshawn Lynch is on it. Richard Sherman's on it. Ronda Rousey is on it. After that, the best I did at recognizing somebody was Tallulah Willis, whose fame comes from um, being Brad Willis and Demi Moore's daughter, right? Um, now, maybe it's completely generational and uh, I'm an old man and you know all the other people that are on this ridiculous show that is a big waste of time. You should go stream The Diplomat on Netflix instead. But um, one of the contestants was so dumb in the 10 minutes of this that I watched that she thought that Lance Armstrong was Neil Armstrong. Neil Armstrong, A, who's walked on the moon is going to play stars on Mars and a pretend game where he's on Mars. It'd be, he's been dead for 11 years. So uh, yeah, the TV on uh, over the air TV is uh, not really shining bright. And uh, I hope the show fails miserably. Also, I looked it up as I was getting ready uh, for this pod and apparently there's no cash prize for winning this thing. As far as they know, they're not advertising it. William Shatner, I think, is like the MC or whatever. He did the 30-second trailer for it, no mention of winnings. And then the little bit I read of it said there's uh, – I looked up, you know, how much does the winner win and said there's no mention of cash prize. So 
what they're playing for, I'm not really sure, but uh, wow, reality TV. You need to get over to paulkuharski.com to read what is up this week. Mike Herndon's piece is on the six most intriguing players post OTAs and minicamp. He did not include the quarterbacks, so it's not at all redundant with what I've talked about here. You should go see if you agree with him on the six, as usual, from Mike. A good list with sound and thorough arguments. Um, so a lot to consider there. I wrote um, post uh, well post minicamp. I did uh, PKTV, which you can watch uh, and and review, where I took a lot of your questions. I did a post on Kristen Fulton. I'll I'll uh, visit some of that coming up here in a bit. Uh, and final thoughts for me on what I saw at uh, throughout the offseason, a little bit on the quarterbacks that I expanded on here and some some other interesting nuggets that you'll uh, you'll want to be sure to read. So head over to the site. If you're not a member, uh, check it out and sign up to get yourself ready. We'll hit the remainder of the offseason hard there and you'll be ready for training camp when it starts at the end of July. Colton Dow, the uh, seventh round receiver out of UT Martin, um, had an interesting technical uh, tip that he talked about when, uh, when he was in a bit of a media throng Wednesday coming off the field. And I thought you would find this interesting about what he is supposed to do with his hands while he is running without the ball uh, when you are running with your hands fisted um to me i mean i don't necessarily feel too much of a difference but when i run with my hands open i'm more ready to use them um say so say that db is you know it's kind of on me i have them closed you know i can't really swipe and wipe and grab them and pull them behind me if they're if they're closed i can't really do that i can use clothes so you know coach Rabel, he, he talked to me about that today and um like I said, learning the ins and outs, the little things of the game, um, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to doing. And you know, um, I'm glad Coach Brave pointed that out. You know, I'm always open for uh, criticism. If you're watching on YouTube, you saw him kind of illustrate that swipe and wipe um, with the open hand as opposed to the fist. If you're listening on one of the podcast platforms, you'll have to uh, imagine it for yourself. But uh, appreciated him sharing that and talking about it. Look, he's certainly making steady progress. Uh, he's a guy to be intrigued about, but keep in mind, um, last rounder, small school prospect. we got to keep our expectations for him at a reasonable level. Finally, we need to talk about Christian Fulton. Sounding like he gets it, which is good. Look, he changed his offseason uh, training regime. He, uh, he went to Miami. He's been working with a guy who's worked with um, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James, really concentrating on, uh, you know, incorporating things like yoga and Pilates, which is, is, uh, is good news for a guy who's been a repeat offender, as Mike Vrabel said, with the soft tissue injuries, which has been a problem. Look, it's good that he gets that, right? Undoubtedly, it's bad that it's taken him until uh, the summer after his third year to get that. Um, here's a blend. Well, here's a blend of things that he said 
put together um, by Jim White? Uh, I'm feeling good. Uh, body feels good. Uh, I've just been excited, you know, about the work that I've been putting in, you know, since February. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to be back around the team, been around them the last two weeks or so. And, you know, everything's been good. You know, the vibe's been great. Just, you know, stand inside, just want to get some extra work in the uh, weight room. Uh, and that's what the coaches allow. Uh, I mean, obviously with me not being on the field, you know, I just happen to, uh, you know, take the approach of doing everything I could off the field, whether that's film room, uh, eating better, you know, studying, you know, my body movements, you know, just talking with my training, you know, all of us being on the same page, you know, with me going forward into the season. I mean, it was big, you know, just to try new things. I mean, I feel like it's um, everybody has their own way of doing things, you know, and everything doesn't work for everybody. Um, you know, I've been here, you know, the last two, three off seasons, and, you know, I've had, you know, great, great time on the field, you know, being here. So I just wanted to try a different approach, you know, and see what it uh, gets me, you know, moving forward. Do you feel like it got you to where you want to be right now, at least? Yeah, no, nah, definitely. I feel great. Um, I mean, it's important every year, you know, to have a great year. Um, I expect that of myself. So um, that was just my take on, you know, I wanted to do what I had to do. You know, to make sure I'm there for my team, you know, this upcoming year. I want to be out there. I will be out there 17 games. So um, that's the approach that I took. I will be out there 17 games. It's bold. It's bold because, you know, some small tweak, not small, but something substantial enough to knock him out of week three, he's going to answer a lot of questions about that pledge which puts him in a tough spot. The one thing he said just on the, on the negative side of this with the, um, with the, with the catching on to this all after his third year, he said, it's not like college, you know, where you have everything scheduled and mapped out for you, for you, you've got to structure things and plan for yourself. Again, that's a late realization, Christian. And I like Christian Fulton a lot. I think he's a very good player when he's on the field. I think he's a stand up guy. Um, but, He's late on this, um, and that's on him primarily, but also strength and conditioning staff, Vrabel, uh, position coaches he've had, he's had have, have done a poor job getting through to him on that. Um, so there's a lot of responsibility going around. I hope that what he's done this offseason pays off and, uh, and he gets results where he is, in fact, able to be on the field. I asked Vrabel. Um, you know, what he thought about the changes that, that Fulton has undergone in terms of his approach this offseason, and he was pretty dismissive about it. Vrabel's clearly not high on Fulton right now, and he said, you know, we'll basically said, we'll see how it impacts his camp and, and his season before we can, we can say what those things ha- have meant. I get the feeling Christian Fulton's future is written by what he's done in the first three fourths of his rookie contract. And that even if the fourth fourth is very good, it it won't be enough to overcome what he's put on grass. He's missed 20 of 50 games because of this. And I think opinions have been formed by Vrabel and by the franchise based on that. He has a big year this year. He sets himself up for a big contract, probably somewhere else. And if he has uh, more missed games in the way that he has before missing 40%, um, you know, maybe in a one year deal kind of situation, um, 
you know, more like David Long where he gets below market, maybe, or maybe somebody pays him for his potential and, and the good stuff and thinks they can fix him. In, in either circumstance, predicting right now, I'd say it's not going to wind up being in Tennessee. And then you'd have another um, high draft pick, second rounder in this case, not getting a second contract from the Titans, which is a trend that's made it difficult for them to sustain continuity and prompts and forces their hand in what they have to draft or address in free agency where next year they will have money. Um, so we shall see. My thanks to Jaspers for their sponsorship. My thanks to you for listening and watching. I ask you, as always, don't block the box, but be sure to lock your locks.